This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Lion. The Detroit Pistons select Seku Dumbuya. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. This is the loop for the long gun. It goes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons vs. Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. We are not going to talk about the Pistons today. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, and I got two glorious guests on to do it. We got Alex Kungu of Hoops Island and Nikias Duncan, newly of BasketballNews.com. How are you doing today, gentlemen? Well, <laughs> not well. I'm sick. Sorry, <laughs> I need help. Uh, uh, Spiritually, I really mentally. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Nikias? Uh, I would just say that I am doing a little bit better than that. Uh, you know, just uh, this is house money, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, oh. I am, I am doing well. I didn't even think about that. Like, yes, this is the greatest house money season in recent memory not since like the actually no like the the first warriors championship that was house money that was like oh what is this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we're going to talk about the eastern conference finals uh miami heat are up 2-0 on the boston celtics uh the big story after game two is miami's zone defense we saw miami not use the zone really at all in game one and then use it for essentially the entire second half in Game 2. Uh, Nikias, do you think we see the zone in Game 3? And if so, how much of it? Oh, we're absolutely going to see it. I think it's – I mean, it's going to depend a lot on if Gordon Hayward's actually going to be back for Game 3. Because if he's not back, then I don't know if Boston is going to have – the wing talent to really bust the zone in a way. There's always going to be one guy that the Heat can kind of cheat off of and kind of over-rotate, take away Boston's bigger threats. So even if and even if Hayward does come back, I still think we're going to see the zone, but Spo might be a little more willing to go away from it if they're starting to get busted a little more. Because in the second half, Boston was still generating some decent looks, um, kind of having Marcus Smart swing around the nail and kind of break the zone that way, and they were able to generate some decent stuff. So they're not far off from breaking it, but I still think Spo's going to use it until it's actually broken. No, that's fair. Alex, what should Boston be doing to attack the zone a little bit better than they did in the second half of uh, Game 2? They should be picking out their dinner reservations for next week after they get sent home. <laughs> that's what they should be doing right now. Um, uh, I mean, I There's know. only like three restaurants in the bubble. That's the tough part. I'm talking about outside the bubble. They won't be in the bubble for too much longer. But to answer your question, I don't like 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 Nikaias was saying. Like it's not like they weren't able to generate good looks, but it's kind of like one thing one one thing that the Heat 
did that makes his own a little bit more different than the Raptors is one, they have much better length. Um, they're not, you know, it's not Lowry and Bantley for as good as they are. Um, they weren't, they weren't interrupting passive lanes the way Miami can. And two, they have the ability to stretch it out three-fourths of the court. Um, so what happens is the Celtics are trying to, you know, get to the zone and beat the zone. By the time you get up in, to, to set up an offense, it's 14 seconds left. And, you know, like without – I feel like Hayward in theory, because we need to – we should preface that in theory because he is, he's another guy who can, you know, go from $31 million to vet men depending on the day it is. Um, in theory, he should be able to give them another ball handler, uh, be able to kind of like get in the middle of the zone, be able to make quick decisions with the ball in a way that I don't think Jalen Brown can. Um, I don't think that Jason Tatum can consistently yet, and I don't think Kemba Walker is big enough to do consistently either. Um, so, you know, they were they were kind of doing what they were doing, which is why I think Brad Stevens was saying, you know, this is more about effort and playing harder. And, you know, because they, they have, I think, the mindset on how exactly to generate good shots from it. It's just that I think, in my opinion, I think the defense is a bigger issue, in my, in my opinion. I thought, see, this that was the thing I was wondering, is like, why are they not using Tatum in the middle to break this since we spent two weeks talking about how he's an improved playmaker? Like, that's the thing, right? Like, if you if he's as good a playmaker as uh, we want him to be, like, he should be the guy in the middle of that zone. And they were using Marcus Smart, and it's way too easy for, like, Jay Crowder or Jimmy Butler to get, like, a rear contest on Smart if he's driving or anything like that. It was just, it was like that, that, and, like, they, they were swinging the ball at Tatum on the wing with, uh, with, like, two defenders closing with, like, six seconds to go. And it's like, that's not great. And so I wondered, uh, you know, if they were, if we might see some of that. And it's not like, I don't know, it's not like Hayward is, like, an elite, elite level playmaker either. So I don't even know how impactful he would be in the middle of that zone. You know, Nikias, what do you think? I know I know what Alex thinks about the possibility of Gordon Hayward's return in game three. What do you think? How do you think that helps the Celtics? How do you think that hurts the Heat? Uh, like, I think that gives Boston another playmaker, another shooter. And I think they're definitely going to need that, especially when Miami goes to those own looks. Um, what I think isn't getting discussed enough is that Miami's obviously junking things up with the zone, but it doesn't feel like Boston's really played with urgency offensively. And that's kind of made it easier for Miami to set up that zone as well. So I wonder if the addition of Hayward allows them to get into their sets a little bit quicker. I know he's not a traditional, like, tempo pusher. But just having a guy that can make quicker decisions might speed Boston up in a way that can bend Miami's zone a little bit more. That's a really interesting comment that he made because Woj just uh, was just talking about um, the little blow-up with Marcus Martin Jalen, and I'm sure you want to get to that later. Um, but he was saying, like, what he heard was at the core of Marcus Smart's uh, complaining was that was the Celtics' lack of urgency on offense. So I kind of think that's a really good uh, spot by Nikaeus. And it's, yeah, and I just think, I don't, I don't know, we talk so much about, you know, like, these veteran teams. There's a reason why young teams don't win in class. Young teams don't win in the playoffs. And, you know, for the most part, the Celtics have been pushing that narrative aside, even starting from back in 2018. But I just feel like they ran into a series where now it's like 
they build this lead against Miami. And this has happened in both games. And it's kind of like in game one, they wanted to like the NBA's version of like a pre, like a prevent defense as if Miami was going to stop playing now because they were down 10. And then in this, in this uh, game, they go, they go up in the first half big, but you can kind of, you saw kind of like the lack of days going this, like some late turnovers to end, to end the first half. And I just looked at it and I was like, okay, you know, if they don't come out like this, like in the second half, like the score is 0-0, they're going to end up in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. And that lack of urgency continued, and there they were. And, and I mean, for a little bit of one-possession game before Miami completely took over. Um, so, yeah, like I don't understand why there's not, not urgency. Um, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I try not. To, I don't want to take too much away from the Heat because I really do think the Heat are playing good defense, and a lot of stuff and struggles are due to the fact that Miami is playing good defense. But like certain like decisions that, that the Celtics are making throughout the game makes me wonder. Like, are they still feeling like if it's not physical fatigue, like maybe like mental fatigue from that long Raptor series, which also didn't have to be seven games, but that's a different story. <laughs> Wait, so so Alex, what are you what are you hoping to see when they're playing at like the A level that you were talking about before we got started? Right? Like what what do you think that takes uh for this team to play with like that for forty eight minutes? Yeah, I think I think they're at their best when they are playing quicker in the half court. Um swing swing the ball uh much much more um they're getting it from getting it to both sides because you notice when their offense gets junked up, it stays on one side and sometimes to just one person. Um, and, you know, defensively, there just needs to be a little bit – they move a little bit quicker. Like, they don't get beat to their spots. Like, they're losing the point of attack battle, like, every single time down down the stretch. And there's just guys who – and I talked I talk about this a little bit on Twitter, but I feel like – the fine line between being good on defense and being great on defense really doesn't have a lot to do with coaching and has a lot to do with a player's ability to make very quick split-second reads on stuff. And I just think, like, um, for example, like the PNRs that Miami runs and stuff, and they do a really good job of putting, like, a deadly shooter on the weak side so that the weak side defender is kind of in this conundrum where he, he's supposed to stay glued to, like, say, a Duncan Robinson but also it's his job to come in and stand in front of the big who's about to go up and do the alley-oop. And it's just, I feel like with a smarter defense, a guys are able to kind of like watch someone's eyes, kind of know, understand the tendency and what that person actually wants to do. And they're able to make like timely gambles in a way to, to be able to um, stop them. And I kind of think the Celtics miss that because as good as guys like Jalen Brown are on defense, um, Team 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 defense wise, he's still you know average to below average. Um, if you start trying to make him make decisions, a bunch of decisions, that's when it starts to get trouble. When when you tell him just defend a Pascal Siakam in isolation and know that he's going to spin right every time, he's great. If you want to put him against a bigger guy, it's like okay, just defend in isolation, he's good. But the second you have him trying to guard split actions and hammer screens and stuff like that, it it can it gets ugly. So. I don't even know what you ask anymore. I'm just very upset. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm you're good. I'm see now, see, but now I'm gonna do my like podcast hosting where like I give you a break by asking Nikias a question. So you're good, Nikias. 
the the thing that Alex brought up about the point of attack defense, I think, is uh, definitely like worth thinking about. But when I think about it in the reverse, right? Like we, my question about Miami, like going into the season, was like, did they have the playmakers to expose guys? in in point of attack situations and the answer is yes because Goran Dragic looks like the like 2012 version of Goran Dragic like where where did that come from what do you attribute that to in the bubble uh to I mean it's a it's a bad answer for a podcast but honestly I don't know like I I did not expect this from him he's been good offensively all season long um, I think the bench role definitely helped him this year, helped save his legs a little bit. Um, had to play against uh, not as stiff competition as he normally would as a starter. That combined with like a lower minute load, I think helped him quite a bit. But even now, like he he's pulling out finishes and picking rolls that I didn't even know you could do. Like he's he's tossing up floaters off the wrong foot. He's jump stopped again to like turn around fadeaways. He still he's somehow gotten better as a pick and roll passer at this age, like a better lob passer, a better picking uh, a better pocket pass guy. So like he's truly been a dynamic pick and roll threat, and that's what Miami's needed because one of my concerns coming into this season, and I was kind of on the high end on Miami coming into the year. I figured I thought they were going to compete for a top three or top four seed. My thing was half court creation in the half, in playoff settings are going to be a little bit tough because as good as Jimmy is, you know he's not a pull up threat. Uh, Bam obviously isn't a pull-up threat. And Goran Dragic has assumed that role of a guy that can get it off the bounce. And that's, I mean, that's raised Miami's ceiling quite a bit. Like, he was using late-game isolation possessions effectively. I was like, this is not what I thought would happen this series. It was like, this is this is insane. Like, the, the guy I thought would be... If anybody was going to be like a secondary off the bounce playmaker for Miami, I thought it'd be Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. and he's done some. He's done. He's, like, he's definitely done some of that, but he's definitely been more of a like one dribble pull up shooter, and like that does its own thing, uh, stretching the defense. Mm-hmm. But and he's not as good as a passer as Goran has been, and like the the passing opening up like the dive angles for Bam, which open which like which is what Alex is talking about, like when you space the floor and you have Duncan Robinson on the weak side, like having, having putting Jalen Brown, like in those poor positions is like, that's something that really only Goran and Jimmy can provide for the heat. And we didn't know if Goran could do that coming into the series. And like that, that's made, that's made all the difference in the world. All right, Alex, I'm coming back to you. You good. You took a breath. You're good and everything. You ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Alex, would would the would the Celtics be better if they had a little bit more veteran depth? Like this is something that you've talked about with me on the podcast before about the team not necessarily like taking an identity as you know a, a team trying to make the finals by you know having the back two thirds back like three fourths of their roster be like rookies or second year guys. They have eight guys on the roster under twenty five. I mean, like, in you know, you know, some of those guys are Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, but some of those guys are like Taco Fall and Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. So, like, you know, with guys like Semi and Grant playing semi-regular uh, playoff minutes, like, would the Celtics be better if like Marvin Williams was on the roster? Or you know, guys like you know Jay Crowder or Kelly Olynyk, 
I would be really, would be really great. You did it to yourself. Would, would be really great addition for the Celtics. Would be really, really, <laughs> really great depth for them. And it's just, how did you guys get Kelly Olynyk to shoot without thinking? We waited for four years for him to do that, <laughs> and now he just shoots with no hesitation. Like what? What drugs do you guys have in Miami that possess this man to not just suddenly see the light? Like you are seven foot with a cannon, just freaking shoot. And it's like. And then Jay Crowder can't miss now. Like, I've written so many pieces on Celtics blog about, hey, the Celtics come back in this series of Jay Crowder just stopped shooting 30% on wide open threes. And now this man can't miss. He can't miss. Uh, it, is, it is so funny to me that, like, they were going to acquire Danilo instead of Jay Crowder. And, like, right now, Jay Crowder is, like, Danilo Gallinari on offense and Jay Crowder on defense. And that's so much better for Miami than the version of Jay Crowder I thought they were getting and any possible version of Danilo Gallinari that they could have gotten. And it's just like, yeah, I was noticing this during the Bucks series that Jay Crowder is shooting like 45% from three. And like, well, if if you lose to that, you just kind of lose to that. I don't understand it. I, like, I like Alex. I like Alex's postulation of drugs, though. That's very Miami. I was about to say, I uh, can't answer that without implicating the Western Conference as well. Uh, <laughs> just going to leave that one alone. But yeah, no, you should. I think Boston should make Jay Crowder take 15 shots and just kind of live with the results of that. I think Boston Um, should trade Brad Stevens and Time Lord for Nick Nurse. I think that would help too. Wait, didn't. Okay, you just beat Nick Nurse in a series, and. Why, like, why would you want the guy you just beat? No, our players were were a little were t- more talented than his players. Nick Nurse did not get out coached. If if Nick Nurse was coaching the Celtics and Brad Stevens was coaching the Raptors, that would have been over in five. Nick Nurse did Nick Nurse Nick Nurse did not did not lose. That was a y'all lost performance by Nick Nurse. Yeesh. Wow, Alex just emptying the cannon right now. Ooh, yeah, Wait, so Alex, are we? Are we gonna see some cancer minutes or no? Why not? Let's let's just go home quicker. What is the point of this? Let us just go home. <laughs> we we've been in this bubble for too long. Marcus Smart wants to throw Tremont Waters directly into Jalen Brown's face. Everything is falling apart. Let's just go home. Play cancer. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? We're gonna get killed in the pick and roll like we've been doing all series. Uh, no. Uh, on a serious note, no. We should never see cancer ever. okay okay uh nikias andre godala's back thing he didn't play second half of game two uh a lot more Derek jones jr than i was expecting to see in an eastern conference finals at any point in time it worked okay i suppose uh if that is a long-term thing is that okay uh, I am fine with it. I'm less concerned with Andre Iguodala. I think when I saw the report earlier, I think he's probable for game three. So I think he's going to be okay. Um, I'm more hyped for Derrick Jones Jr. getting minutes over Kendrick Nunn because that man shouldn't look at a basketball court, much less beyond one at this point. I, I am all for building up a young player's confidence within reason. However, there's absolutely no reason for him to be – like he, he provides nothing on defense. He's like the third option on the offense, and like he can't shoot right now. Well, isn't the whole thing he can he can play make a little right? Like he he helps you take Goran and Jimmy off the floor simultaneously, allegedly. In, in theory, I mean that was certainly true during the regular season. That's why he finished top three in rookie of the year voting. Like he he was objectively fine 
but it's just been like two months of him being the worst rotation player in basketball. So I'm not quite sure what his purpose is at this point. But <laughs> objectively fine, ringing endorsement. Like it, it's bad. But uh, for Iguodala, I think the Heat are definitely going to need him, especially when they go to those all defense lineups for uh, final possessions. Being able to toss out Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler and Bam and Andre Iguodala and Derrick Jones Jr. at the same time is kind of unfair, honestly. I don't envy oh, any offense trying to <laughs> I, I don't envy any offense trying to score against those five guys at the end of a game. But uh, if, if he's held, like if his back holds up, like I think he's going to be fine. He doesn't need to play big minutes, I don't think, at this point. The Heat have kind of staggered their lineups in a way to where at least one of Goran, Jimmy, and Bam are going to be on the court at all times. And that's kind of all you need because Boston's hybrid units are just kind of bad right now. Um, so once you add in the extra punch you get for, from a guy like Tyler here off the bench, like I don't think you need Iguodala unless Boston starts like torching. So I, yeah, yeah I think he's probably going to be back for Game Three, but I don't think there's it's a huge deal right now. Okay, so if if you deservedly, I think, excise none from the rotation. Mm-hmm. You just you play a guy down. Like you, there's no one replacing him. You're just stretching guys out. Yeah, I think that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've tweeted multiple times during the games, like fire Kendrick Nunn into the sun because he is not playing basketball at a level that I think qualifies you to play basketball in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, like he ha- he has to do something. If he did, literally. Mm, he's been the best topic on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he did literally anything positive. You well, could, you like, if you dribble into 20-footers for a living, right? Like, that, if, if that's what you do, that's what you do. But, like, we need you not to do that. So can you do anything else? Answer's no. Yeah, like, he, he isn't finishing well. He doesn't have the floater going. He isn't knocking down spot-up looks. He's not making advanced reads to pick and roll. And then on the other end, he is just getting baked by whoever he guards. So I don't. There's no there's no benefit. Like, if you're going to play a zero on offense, at least play the guy that can also defend. So I, I just don't understand how Nunn was getting minutes over Jones Jr. to begin with. But hopefully that is fixed. And that will probably be bad news for Boston. Well, being great yeah. in the regular season and then failing in the playoffs is a very, you know, key Milwaukee Buck trade. Uh, yikes. So, you know. Yikes. You know. No, just, uh, Dinwiddie is the guy so, Milwaukee should get. So, I've been on that. <laughs> he shoots thirty-one percent from three. He fits in perfectly with their like cadre of guys who like shoot thirty-five percent. Mm-hmm. It's 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 great. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. Because Lord knows, if you're a Lions fan, there are not going to be that many opportunities for you to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You go to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook 
experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% that's a lot, of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Should we just talk about the Denver Heat final while we're here? Should we just just do a quick preview real quick? No. Like, (laughs) you honestly think Adam Silver would let that happen? (laughs) Oh, he's pressing the button. Oh, no. Yeah, there's, there's no way that happens. Like Miami, sure. Like yeah, we can we can like roll the clips of like LeBron in uh, 2012, and like we can be fine that way. Or like Dwayne Wade in 08, right? LeBron, LeBron versus his former team. Six. The teams are there. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like Denver, there is. Denver is like the fourth most popular sport in their own market. There is no <laughs> way he's letting that one happen. I like Denver is like tied up in like a a local broadcasting imbroglio because the Cronkies like don't want to pay to broadcast their games. Is like yeah, they're, they're, that's not happening. As as good as I think Denver has played, mm. like, they're, they're, that they're not gonna let that happen. Yeah, you would have to get like Von Miller on the court to get the people of Denver <laughs> looking at that, and even then. Hey, you know Von Miller like busted up his ankle. He's free. He's not playing. They could they could uh, quarantine him for a couple of days and put him out there. Like <laughs> this is true. We could do some stunt casting. <laughs> like there you go. <laughs> put him on the wing. He probably had more coordination than Ennis Cantor would be in real. So <laughs> like, I mean, Tory Craig plays like he plays football anyway. I feel like you can probably swap them in there. I mean, like, if you put the Paul Millsap jersey on Von Miller, like, people wouldn't <laughs> be able to tell the difference anyway. You know which people do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, Boston is averaging 15 turnovers a game in this series. Uh, is that bad, and how do they stop doing that? They stop doing it by getting eliminated, so they no longer have to play basketball anymore. I honestly don't – I don't I don't know what to say about them. I don't I just don't think they have enough championship IQ to really get rid of this problem. I just think the Heat are the better coach team, the more disciplined team. I think Boston is entirely just I don't know what happened because I when when they beat the Raptors, I generally was just like, Okay, like they proved they were mentally tough. They proved they can, you know, take punches and hit back and 
you know, like I didn't question them mentally at all. I didn't quite even even though they had high turnovers against the Ra- the Raptors as well. I figured that's because the Raptors sell out so much because they desperately need transition buckets that you know against a team like Miami it wouldn't necessarily be the same thing. But it's just what we're seeing is just, this is just an undisciplined team, and I don't know how you become not undisciplined um, in 24 hours. I wish I had the answer to that, but I don't think. I I just don't see that necessarily changing much. I mean, they could not pass. You know, they could do the Terry Rozier method. If, if you never pass, you never turn the ball over, technically. Um, otherwise, I don't know. I just think I I don't – I think it just comes back to what Bradson said. They, they just have to play harder. They have to play together. Um, they have to stay together even when they miss their open shots and Miami goes on their expected 8-0, 10-0 runs. Like, they can't – fall apart and everyone tries to shoot 10-point shots and all the little coaching tropes, but it's like they just have to play together and what is a storm if you ever take hits the same way they did against the Raptors. But um, it's not looking good for my boys. It's not looking good. Man, you you saying Stevens, uh, saying that they needed to just play harder, reminded me so much of like what Giannis was saying in the Eastern Conference Finals like last year. Like in those last final games, it's like we just we like we have to play harder, we have to execute our system better, and it's like like we'll like no like you things have to change like you you have to try different things at least so you get the wheels on Miami side like turning, and then like then maybe you can go back. You have to like throw a change up in order to be able to go back to the fastball to mix sports metaphors. Um, Nikias, are you surprised that we haven't seen a whole whole lot? of the Kimball the Kimba double drag action that you highlighted in your series preview? Um, I'm a little surprised. Like the Heat have you can tell they scouted it because they've switched it in a certain way to kind of cut off those angles that Kimba wants to create. So I think that's been good. Uh, the zone obviously kind of throws that off when you're running a two three. So you just can't create the same opportunities out of that action as you would against man coverage. So I I'm more surprised that the Heat went to zone as early as they did, but I'm not surprised that they've scouted that action well. If I can highlight it, I know Spo has. <laughs> nah, that's totally fair. It's like that's that's one of those things I always look for. Is like little like Kimba hasn't looked very comfortable in this series. Uh, it wasn't the first half of Game Two, not necessarily in the second half, and for all of Game One. And so like little pet stuff like that to get guys into rhythm, I always think about. And you're right that the zone kind of cuts down a lot of the ability and reads that you can get out of that. But it's like, hey, if that's like your pet thing, like try it, right? Like if you're in a semi-transition opportunity, set up a, a quick like uh, a quick screen at the top. Like you know, why not? But it just to get guys in rhythm. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, Nikias, I gotta so. This is this is like the one lone Pistons tie-in. Like I'm gonna try to to get off in this podcast. Miami's doing this without any real top of draft talent. They have a star player who's averaging 12.4 shots a game for the playoffs. They have a big man. When big men, I was told multiple times by uh, FedEx that <laughs> big men are going extinct. Mm-hmm. So like, what what do you what are the lessons the rest of the league is supposed to take? from Miami's success this playoffs? Uh, versatility is the name of the game, honestly. Like, I do think 
your tradition, your quote unquote traditional big man, your back to basket big man is kind of dead. Like Bam works because he can also pass and make reads on the move. So you can kind of create. He he doesn't have to be the role man and pick a roll to kind of bend defenses. Like he can pick you apart from above the break, and he can kind of create space that way since you're drawing that big out to kind of crowd his uh crowd those passing windows. So there's that. Um, honestly, beyond that, I'm not sure. Like the Heat have hit on dra- hit on late draft picks. I'm not sure. I mean, it's easier said than done to say that. Like. Hey, draft well. But the Heat have done that with Hero and um, Adebayo, obviously. Um, they found Duncan Robinson out of nowhere, found Kendrick Nunn not out of nowhere because he had some hashtag stuff. Yes. Uh, no one no one ever mentions the hashtag stuff, but the hashtag stuff is definitely why Kendrick Nunn was in the wasteland. Yeah, like he would have at least been like a second-round pick if that didn't, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just looking for players that can do multiple things. You can't have too many one-dimensional guys, especially in playoff settings, because you just get played off. Or if you're going to have that kind of guy, it has to be a Duncan Robinson to where he's so valuable as a movement shooter that you have to play him and you kind of live with whatever else comes with it. Yeah. You know, conversely, Alex, your team has what, like, what, Jay and, both Jays are top five picks. Smart was a lottery pick. Kemba was a lottery pick. They t- they found Tice off the scrap heap. You know, Hayward was a lottery pick. You know, what is what is what? the So was Ennis. Uh, yeah. Well that was like Ennis was a lottery pick. Ennis was what, like top three, like back before like we realized that like the big men were going extinct, right? But like what 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 lessons, if any, should we take from the lack of Eastern Conference Finals success from your team? Yeah, I mean, first, how dare the Miami Heat draft Tyler Hero? That was the perfect Boston person. He is he is literally the most South Boston per- white man I've ever seen in my life. And for you guys to just take him from <laughs> one selection above. Meanwhile, our 14th take played 81 seconds and got injured. That I think I think the lesson to be taken here is I don't know because. I don't see these Eastern Conference Finals as kind of like one big thing. I mean, you you might you may some might may call Brad Stevens the Andy Reid of the NFL without the ring. Some may call him that, but I think for I, I think you're the only person who's called. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> gonna sneak that in there, huh? Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just think that you have to pick a direction when you're making a team. And it's like, your goal is to win. You have to commit to winning. And I don't think the Celtics thought they were going to be very good. I really don't. I really think that they thought this was a transitional year. They were going to see what they really have in these young players. Um, They happened to have a lot. And the way the the playoffs kind of broke, it ended up, appearing to be like, oh, wait, this might be their clearest path to the title in who knows how many years. And so it's it's extremely disappointing that they're going out sad like this, but um, I think the moral of the story is you need to commit to a timeline, and it's just something that I hope to see this offseason, um, truly, because 
you just can't win trying to play both sides. As 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 great as it is, um, to play that to play that house money game, like after year three, four of this, like no, nah, like eventually you need to just buckle in. You need to make some sacrifices, um, in order to surround surround your top guys that you have now with dependable, reliable talent, like people that you know, like this dude is going to score ten points on four and nine shooting every night and play good defense, no matter what. Wednesday against the Magic or Friday night against the Lakers. He's going to give you some something consistent. And the Celtics just don't have that filling out their roster and that's why in my opinion you see these up and down roller coaster performances in the playoffs because it's just unexperienced guys. So yeah, take a direction, Danny. Stop being a coward. It's like who are you trading those three first round picks then? Because you're trying to add, you have four picks in this year's draft. That's that's what twelve kids. You have twelve kids on the roster ostensibly. Like who are you trying to trade those well, picks for then? Use, we have to use one to probably get off Ennis. If we're being honest, um, probably the most. Ennis has a team option, doesn't he? And I'm sure he'll take it. I I I think he'll take it. I don't know how much more money he's going to make elsewhere. Honestly, I don't, I don't I don't think. Yeah, I don't I don't think the Hawks, Heat, the Cavaliers. Hornets, I don't think any of those guys are going to be offering him even a bloated contract for fun. So, I think he'll pick it up, in my opinion. And I think they'll do what they did last year with Baines when they used a pick to get off him. But that's because they wanted to clear space for Kemba. This time, I think they needed to get Ennis off the team. And I don't think they need the pick anyway. Um, and yeah, maybe they can consult the other ones and try to move up and, you know, take somebody. But I just hope it goes to some type of veteran presence. Like, we just, we, we need just some reliability off the bench. I want to know what I'm getting every time. You know what I mean? Like, when you go to Chick-fil-A, like, and you want a spicy chicken sandwich, you know you're going to get a spicy chicken sandwich every single time, you know? And that's what they need on the bench. Like, they just need something reliable to fall back on, and they just don't have that. Yeah. I was going to make a Popeye's joke, but I'm not going to make a Popeye's <laughs> you can you can have a Alex. You can have Tony Snell for like the twenty seventh pick right now. Like I'll call it in. You can have that. All right. Thanks for coming on again. No. <laughs> okay. Um, now I'm looking at the sheet. That was pretty much everything. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about that we didn't really hit on this podcast? Uh, I just want to just to talk to Alice for a little bit. I'm just kind of surprised at how like doom and gloom Celtic fans are about this right now. Because like I, I mean I'm enjoy it's funny to me, but like also <laughs> it's just like y'all have had double digit leads in each game, so it's, it would be different if like Miami was just smoking them. It's the it's the mentality of like. When we when we were like winning and losing to the Raptors, like there wasn't a break in like mental toughness for the Celtics. The Celtics did not fall apart. They did not stop playing together. They just lost because those dudes in Toronto had so much freaking heart and so much freaking like championship moxie that they were able to claw themselves back in the series. But it wasn't like after Game Six, I wasn't sitting there just like, yo, we fell apart, we broke. I was like, yo, those two teams played really hard, and Toronto just happened to make a player more down the stretch. In these games, though, like, the Celtics are literally getting their will broken. They are they are not playing together. Like, they are literally giving up on each other. 
And that's not what we've been seeing all year, which is why, like, for us, it's just like, this is different. This is not normal losses. This is like last year losses, where it's like, you front run a little bit, you stop doing the things that got you there, and when you lose it, you break apart and stop playing. They just haven't been doing this all year. They have not. So I think that's why there's so much like, okay, this is, this is done. This is different. Like this, like this adversity is different. They're not handling correctly. And you see it now, like the dudes are literally like going at each other's necks, holding down too well. Like if they were really still playing together, like you don't, this is not the time in the series where like if you're playing together, you have comments in each other and stuff like that. You're not like going into the locker room and like tearing cat down right now. Like that's a that's it's just a team that right now is just it's being challenged mentally and they're just not coming through. And I think a lot of fans are seeing that even if they can't properly like express it in that way. Do you think that it's a little bit better at least that we know that like we we know that Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown were the two guys who were involved in like yelling at each other in the locker room. Do you, Alex? Do you think it helps that? those guys actually like like each other as opposed to like as opposed to what happened with Kyrie last year where we weren't sure if Kyrie like enjoyed those dudes company oh yeah I mean I mean long term wise it's like I don't think that this is going to be like some long term problem those dudes from you know like from what you know like Celtics beat guys say like it's not it's nothing new with them kind of going at each other it really is like a brother relationship type of thing so long term yeah like I don't think it'd be an issue but like right now this series like the fact that like dudes are like at that they like coming at each other's neck and not necessarily like being on the same page in terms of like how what they feel is like going on on the court um that is that's that's the troublesome part and i don't think that this 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 outburst with some sports movie like rah rah thing where it's like come on guys let's let's like let's get together and let's try harder and all this, all, everyone's going to rally together or something like i just think that is the unraveling of a team mentally. I think it's a team that's mentally fatigued, a team that's going up against a much a much better coach team, a much more prepared team, a much more disciplined team, and they're getting frustrated by it. Like, plain and simple. Like, I keep telling people, like, the Celtics aren't choosing to play bad. Like, this is the Miami Heat dictating this. And right now they just don't like to have any answers. And maybe, maybe that can change after uh, – after game three or something like that, possibly, who knows, but I just don't see it. I don't. All right, last question. Nikias, you think it's weird for Jimmy Butler to be – you think he's like, I'm, I, I'm used to causing strife inside my own locker room, not like inflicting strife on other people's locker rooms? <laughs> I'm sure he loves it. You know, just sipping his uh, his signature coffee while he's reading all these reports, like it's the Sunday paper or something. I'm pretty sure he's loving all of this. <laughs> all right that was that was pretty much everything i had guys thank you so much uh for coming on especially alex who drove 50 minutes in order to make this podcast happen uh <laughs> let the people know where they can find you where they can find your work uh Nikias, you you go first uh you can find my twitter uh you know nba nba yeah, i can talk uh nba for basketball analysis and also puns uh, you can read my work at basketballnews.com. Uh, I've had I put out scouting reports for all four conference finals teams. Um, I'm probably going to pin the tweet that I got all of those in, so you can find those more easily. And that's pretty much it. When are we getting the podcast? 
Ah, that's a good question. Uh, that's probably going to be a thing that happens after the postseason. Uh, just soon, got- soon TM. Got you. There we go. <laughs> All right, Alex, let the people know uh, where they can find you. People can find me at Kungu, K-U-N-G-U underscore NBA. Um, but just disregard the NBA. Uh, I think I'm going to move into a different avenue in my life, start exploring anime, <laughs> um, start exploring. I, I just bought a Nintendo Switch Lite. I bought Super Smash Bros. I think I'm going to read some books. So, you know, follow me for good gospel. I was I was listening to Fighting Temptation today and before I got on this podcast because Lord needed to give me the strength. You know, I think I'm in a, I think I'm in a different transition in my life. So, you know, follow me uh, to, to see the path of a man uh going through going through it going through it <laughs> all right alex if you end up playing animal crossing hit me up because my wife is really into animal crossing mm-hmm. and like she needs the islands and stuff so like yeah we'll we'll talk after the podcast okay. yeah. uh as for me you can find me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e you are listening to the pistons versus everybody podcast uh we will talk to y'all later and maybe it'll be about the pistons who knows